As promised, I'm back on the Fandom Podcast on Spotify. Listen on Spotify or Anchor, whatever works best for you. Still working on outsourcing, blah, blah, blah. Today, we're going to go right into the MLB. I got my friend Eric here. He's well-informed, passionate fan, just like me. We're going to go over the lockout. The MLB lockout is not a surprise at all. If you followed the, the late season news or listened to David Sampson's podcast, the ex-president of the Marlins and Expos, he was very honest in telling everyone that there 100% will be a work stoppage in the MLB. The players and owners are not on the same page. From my understanding, it's it's all about economics. The players are not happy with the way things are going, not happy with the pay. Uh, I know that triple-A, double-A, and single-A, the conditions of those players is, is something that has been seriously brought to the public's eye over the last year or two, how some of them guys were homeless and didn't have real training facilities or they were being put in terrible hotels, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to get into it. Welcome here, Eric. Let's just start with if we're going to go from a player's point of view first. So I'm a player. What what is the players looking for? What are, what is the main players' focus here? What do they want to see improved? Well, like you said, uh, well, thanks for having me, Caleb. Um, but like you said, it's money. That's what it comes down to. And from the players' perspective, they've seen their average salary decrease over the last few years. Well, they believe that the revenue for the teams continues to increase. Um, that's hard to you know, validate because the teams do not release revenue numbers, but that's certainly their belief. And then in addition to that, they've got pretty serious, I think real service time concerns. Um, they're watching teams game the service times, so they don't bring a player up from AAA until the day after um, they're eligible to not gain a, a year of service, right? So like um, Chris Bryant was called up to the majors in mid-April um, so he only got 171 days of service time and it takes 172 days of service time to count as a full year, which means he was kept under team control for an extra year and it cost him, you know, probably $30 million. That's so, so strange that, that even, sorry, that it's strange that that even exists. Um, real quick, back to the, the salaries and the revenue do, are the players literally just saying like revenues increasing? Because I thought that it was a known thing that ratings have been down and stadium like ticket sales have been down because that's another thing I heard from David Sampson himself on his show, Nothing Personal. He said that absolutely teams lie about their attendance and stuff. So is it is it attendance, merchandise, and then your stadium sales, stuff like that? Is that what you meant by, like, the players think that the revenue is increasing as their salaries decrease? No. I mean, I think it's fair to say most of that stuff has declined in the last couple of years, um, certainly ratings. But that most of the team's money comes from the TV contract. Yeah. And that's set in stone years ahead of time. That's the vast majority of their money. Um, it's not ticket sales. It's not merchandise. Like, they get a lot of money from the TV deals. Okay. Local, usually, obviously, Local, right? Local, national, yeah, playoffs, mm -hmm. all of it. Mm -hmm. And then the service time, that's something that a lot of people don't even think about is b the business side of things where, okay, so I know that as a franchise, 
owner or something. I know, okay, if I call this player up for 172 days, he's going to get, you know, that full pay. But if I just keep him for 170, that's such a system cheat. That seems like kind of shitty to do with it. And it seems really shitty that that's even an option. So I definitely side with the players on that one. Um, the next thing that we were going to go over was tanking. You had some some thoughts on tanking? Yeah, well, that's another issue that the players have is the tanking because tanking drives down salaries because there are fewer teams competing for the same players, right? So when you see you know, more and more teams tanking, it means those teams that are tanking aren't bidding top dollar for the, the, you know, the players and they're trying to get younger, better farm systems, you know, et cetera. And so it's basically, I don't, I don't think the players necessarily, I think it's financial. Their, their disagreement with tanking is how it's impacting them financially, not necessarily strategically. Um, because tanking does work. We've seen it work for the Marlins, the Cubs, um, I don't, I don't know that the Red Sox were so much tanking, but I know the Cubs definitely tanked and had like five straight years of top 10 picks to help them rebuild and win the World Series. Well, same work. Well, so wouldn't that be more of a complaint at all sports, though? I mean, how can you, for the players' side, like, is that even realistic that they can expect change there, though? Because that's a team strategy. That's a franchise strategy. So is that even a realistic thing that, like, they can bring to the owners and the owners will be like, oh yeah, we'll just stop tanking. Cause I, that's one thing that I just, I find it hard to believe that an owner is going to be like, you know what? You're right. You, you know what's best. I'll just pay one or two players that are really good instead of trading those players for value, cut payroll, freed up for the future type of deal. Is it, is it really realistic that that, 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 that actually gets changed? It's not realistic to, eliminate tanking but there needs to be like financial penalties for some because baseball has a significant disparity in you know total salaries between the teams like you have teams like the yankees and um dodgers who are spending over 200 million dollars on salaries in a year and then you have other teams spending 50 million dollars like it's it's an extreme disparity that you don't see in other sports primarily because of the salary caps um so, so i don't I don't think you can eliminate tanking, but there needs to be some kind of of salary floor that makes all teams at least attempt to be a minimum of competitiveness. Yeah, um, I can see that. It's kind of like the movie Moneyball, right? You know, the the Astros every year were trying to build a team on thirty eight million dollars while playing the Yankees, who are at one hundred fifty or whatever the number was that they used in the movie. It's a giant discrepancy, and a lot of small organizations you know small market teams like the astros like the brewers i don't know if the twins are considered but like you do it mariners you do have the teams who are that are considered small market and tanking seems kind of more of like they have to do it every you know five or six years because every title team you only got like a three to four year window with a really good team and that's at maximum realistically it's like a two to three year window and then all them players are going to go their own way to take all the money. So for smaller market teams, I, in my opinion, I don't think that the, the tanking thing is ever going to change. Now adding penalties to it, if they added a penalty, how can you penalize a team that already has a low payroll for cutting payroll? You know what I mean? Like It's like penalizing the Marlins. The Marlins have been – so I listened to a couple 
the Dan Lebetard show and they're a Miami proud show, right? Well, they're friends with David Sampson. David Sampson was the president of the Marlins. So they've brought him on and they've grilled him a couple of times. They're friends about it, but whatever they've grilled him. And they're like, well, you did it four times in a 20 year span where you guys just slash payroll. You gave these players a perfect example is Giancarlo Stanton got a major contract. And that was just a bluff just to set up a trade to the Yankees to acquire some younger talent. Jeter came in slash payroll once again, which he told them that he wasn't going to do. Then he did it anyway. And so I don't think it's, I don't think it's gonna, I don't know. I don't know how you swing. How are you going to penalize a team that already has a a low payroll? I guess maybe then it stops them from doing it, but if they're not going to be competitive and they can't afford their contracts, I really don't know how that, how that works out in the end. I think you'd have to do stuff like taking away draft picks, um, eliminating their um, international player, you know, signing, um, okay, stuff like that. Because it's one thing when you have a team that's truly a small market, or like the Milwaukee Brewers. Like it's one thing when they do something like that. Although somehow they've managed to not have to tank. Um, but when you see like a team like the Chicago Cubs, who are one of the richest franchises in all of sports. Like it's just at least at least for me at least a bad taste in my mouth because they've they're still you know charging an insane amount of money for people to go to their games, um, and they're they're not putting a a real product out on the field. Oh yeah, towards the end of last season they were terrible. So I do I get it I get it and I don't I don't I don't know how they change that. I mean the penalties would be really the only way. Even then though with with. And it's just my personal opinion, but I mean, the draft drafting in baseball is the biggest crapshoot in drafting of all sports. So you penalize the team by picks. Well, that's fine because my first round pick might not have been as good as my 12th round pick anyway, that type of deal. So interesting stuff there. I don't know if a lot of that will change. I, I do understand it from the players POV, but I don't know how they make that realistic with some penalties because like I said, you, the the teams that quote unquote tank the most seem to be the small market teams because they have such a small window, and then those star players that they usually bring up to the farm system are going to move on. So another point you had was the luxury tax overhaul. Yeah, so the luxury tax also limits salaries because a team like the Yankees are actually cutting salary now because they're so far over the luxury tax. And they don't they don't want to keep paying that. That's just throwing money away for them, you know, to other teams. Um, and so the players would like to see an over and I think the players would like to see that go away altogether, have no ceiling at all for salaries and let teams just spend whatever they want. But that's not realistic because that creates an even larger imbalance. Um so they want to see it changed. Like I think they're looking for I forget the numbers, but I think it was like thirty to forty million dollar increase in the luxury tax threshold what it what is the luxury tax what is it yeah um if a team exceeds a certain amount of money for the salary you know for their total salaries for the year they have to pay in this luxury. it's like a soft basically soft salary cap right they're allowed to exceed this amount but if they do they have to pay x amount of dollars um that gets distributed amongst the other teams got it got it yep I know, I know what that is. Hopefully you guys now understand, just in case you didn't, the Yankees are my favorite team, and they they do the luxury tax. They go over that all the time. They're always paying in that. And I understand them cutting it this year because 
they were paying way too much money for team players that weren't producing. Now, so you guys kind of get an understanding of how the the players are feeling, and that largely covers it. Yes, there's a lot more detailed issues. It goes into a lot more. Feel free to read up on it on your own time, but that is a great generalization of what's going on from the player's POV. Now, I'm an owner. What what are some issues I have with the players? What are some points I'm going to be bringing up in these meetings if I'm an owner of a baseball team? Well, primarily the owners want the status quo. They like the way things are right now. A few things that they would like to do um, that they're proposing, well, it's hard to know how much of that is just to get concessions from the players or you know to try to get this you know to a middle ground. But they want expanded playoffs. Um, they've even offered to cut the number of regular season games down to like 154 um, to have the expanded playoffs. And a big reason for that is they get all of the TV revenue for the playoffs. 100% of the TV revenue goes to the teams. The players don't get a cut of that. Um, the players get a cut of like the, the gate receipts and merchandise, but not TV revenue. Okay. And then like some of the other stuff, like they've, they've kind of suggested like a salary floor um, you know, so like a minimum of a hundred million dollars that a team has to spend, but in conjunction with that, they want to reduce the luxury tax, which, you know, the, their proposal for reducing the luxury tax would negatively impact, um, player salaries more than the salary floor would positively impact them most likely, you know, by projections. So that's a non-starter for the players because it would hurt them. Okay. Um, they're also suggesting a universal DH, but I, again, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's just a negotiating tactic. I don't know that the owners care all that much about it. The players do because it's an extra position basically in the national league Mm -hmm. that doesn't exist today. So it's more money and longer careers, but I don't think that's a move the needle item for the players. Right. And that, that is like you just said, extended career. I actually am. I don't know about you, but I am in favor of a universal DH. Why? Those players, those, or excuse me, the pitchers train at a certain level. They train to pitch. They do not train to hit. There should absolutely be a position. It's like the NBA where you, you can make it to the NBA just off being an extremely good sharpshooter. The kid from Onalaska, my hometown, Matt Thomas, now, does he get substantial minutes? No, but he was used in spurts because he has a role. He can come in and shoot 45% from three. Well, why can't I have a guy who sits on my bench who all he does is swing a bet? That's the name of the game anyway. You got to score runs, right? So I've always been in favor of the universal DH. I do agree that that would just kind of be more of a negotiating point to like come to common ground, use it. Kind of like, okay, look, we're on the same page now. Let's keep this going, blah, 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 that type of deal. I assume that's kind of what you meant by that. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right. And then you had one more point on the owners. Or was this, you said. Yeah, it's mainly just that the the players are not happy about the lockout in the first place. They said it was unnecessary. Um, They've, in the past, when the labor agreements have expired, they've continued to to play and not have a lockout or a strike while they negotiate the next deal. Um, so it's not, it's not unprecedented to not have a deal and not also have a lockout, but from the owner's perspective, they can lock the teams or lock the players out now and get everything resolved and not impact. They hope the regular season 
And also it takes leverage away from the players. If they don't have a lockout and they get closer to the season, um, they run the risk of the players striking. And now they've got games postponed and, you know, they've basically ceded leverage to the players. So it's, it's a game and the players aren't happy that the owners did it. Okay. And so the owners are the ones who call the lockout, correct? Like they're the ones who initiate it. Can the players call a lockout or is it mostly just the owner's thing? Uh, The owners can do the lockout. The players can strike. Got it. Okay. All right, well, that will conclude the first segment. We're going to get into some of the free agency stuff because it was a very exciting offseason before the lockout happened. There is still a bunch of free agents. Eric got us a top five list and also a prediction of where he thinks each of them will end up. So we'll cover more of that stuff next. Welcome back. The MLB offseason prior to the lockout was excellent. Big signings were everywhere. Still some big names available. We're going to get to that, but just just a quick update if you haven't paid attention. The lesser New York team, the Mets, have been spending big money. They overpaid Max Scherzer. They got Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna from the A's. And that poor franchise just loses another good player to money. It's the story of that franchise's history. Sterling Marte, they also got the strong-armed outfielder who can rake as well. We all know that. Mets, congratulations. Your new owner likes to spend money. You're still going to choke, and the Yankees will always own you. Never forget that. Some other big names, Marcus Stroman went to the Cubs. Byron Buxton got a new seven-year, $100 million deal with the Twins. Which I understand to a point. The Twins need a star. They need to keep someone. But I don't believe he's ever played a 100-game season. And baseball is a very long season. Longevity, durability are concerns of, with, like, major concerns that I have with that contract. But I believe a lot of it is incentivized. I don't think it's a ton of money guaranteed around the $40 million range, if I remember right. The Texas Rangers were making big moves. They got Marcus Simeon, Kevin Gossman, Corey Seager. You know, Simeon signed a seven-year, $175 million deal. Seager signed for 10 years, $325 million fucking dollars. Detroit appears to have Javi Baez locked up. I haven't seen anything against it, but I haven't seen that he officially signed it. That's a seven-year, $140 million contract. Look, my point is this. Raise your kids to play baseball. If they get in, it's a low injury risk as far as like head injuries and like serious life threatening ones. It's ridiculous pay. You're going to be well off. So like I said, it's just been a wild off season. There's way more signings that are going to happen. Let's get back to Eric. Eric, I want you to highlight five names for us and then we'll go back and break down each of those five guys and where where we think they will end up. Okay. So the five guys that he picked are Carlos Correa. Uh, Correa. I actually don't know how to pronounce his name. Carlos Correa. Correa. Shortstop. Uh, Freddie Freeman from the Braves. Chris Bryant. Kyle Schwarber. And Trevor Story. Very nice. Very nice. So. I'll go real quick down the line. 
where I think they're going to go. He's going to give you a little more background information. Like I said, he's loaded with more information than I am, especially on this. Carlos Correa, he will be a New York Yankee. <laughs> Trevor Story, he will also be a New York Yankee. Kyle Schwarber, I don't really know where Schwarbs will end up. However, I thought a team that I found kind of intriguing who wants a big bat, the Orioles, and I don't like saying that because they're one of our rivals, but also they have a very young and upcoming outfield. But I just think that they're in the they're in the game for a legitimate DH type hitter. Schwarber could do that. Um Chris Bryant, I want him to go back to the Giants. I don't think he will. I actually agree here with Eric Seattle Mariners. That's one of the teams that's popped up consistently. Um, and also they're they're in the market for whatever they can get. Third baseman, they're gonna they want they're gonna want to lock him up there. So Freddie Freeman, I really hope he goes back to the Braves. So that's where I'll say he'll end up. So I have the Yankees getting Correa and Story. Schwarber, I don't really know. Maybe Orioles, a team like that. Bryant, Mariners, Freeman, hopefully the Braves. Eric, what do you got for us? Well, like you with Correa, it's probably wishful thinking since I'm a Cubs fan that I think he's going to go to the Chicago Cubs. Um, he recently reached out to Baez to ask what playing for the Cubs is like. He said he was impressed that the Cubs were still able to sell out games after trading everyone away. Um they're a wealthy team. They can afford to pay him if, if they choose to. And he'd be the number one baseball player, you know, a superstar in a city that loves superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it, it works. I, I don't know that it necessarily works with, you know, the, the Cubs looking like they're in a rebuild situation, although they keep saying they're not. So that's another reason. This, this would prove that they're not rebuilding, that they're just retooling. So... Okay. That's, that's my guess. Okay. Um, Freddie Freeman, I agree. I think he's going to stick with the Braves. I just, I think it'd be insane for the Braves to let him go after winning the World Series. Especially with how they let that happen. Especially when he was such an important player for them. That I mean, he basically sealed the game on the road with that double into left center. He was huge all year. He was in the MVP conversation again. So if the Braves let him walk. You and I, we would both be shocked, but you have you seem to think there's a dark horse for him. I yeah, he is originally from Orange County, so the Dodgers are are a dark horse, and they definitely can spend money. Yep, always so can. Yeah, it's it's definitely a possibility. Um, so Chris but, Bryant, we agreed, Seattle Mariners. But you got yeah. the you got the background of why that's an actual realistic possibility. That's that's the uh, prevailing opinion on sports writers right now. Like I, I haven't seen any comments from him saying he's interested in going to Seattle. But they did just hire his college hitting coach um, as a um, as a coach on their team. I don't know what position they hired him for, but one of their coaches. And they let Kyle Seager go, so they need a replacement for him. So it is, it is a possibility, but it's also a possibility he could go to the Phillies and team back up with Bryce Harper since, you know, they are friends from Vegas. Okay. And, yeah, there was talk, you know, about Bryce Harper coming to join the Cubs when he was a free agent before he signed with the Phillies so that him and Brian could play together. So that that is a possibility as well. Okay. But 
sports writers right now are are saying, you know, if you're going to handicap it, it's the Seattle Mariners. Gotcha, gotcha. And then Kyle Schwarber would be next on the list. So Kyle Schwarber, like no Minnesota Twins fan will think this is possible, but I think the Twins do have a good shot to get Schwarber. Um, they're not a team known to spend money, but right now they're only 24th in team salary at around like $71.7 million for next year. So they have money available. They need an outfielder and they need a DH, and he would be an amazing fit. And they keep saying that they're not rebuilding. And I think by signing Byron Buxton to the contract they did, they're showing that they're not rebuilding. They're willing to pay their players. Um, so I, I, th- I think they've got a good shot to get him, and I think he'd be an amazing fit. Well, I think that He's the twi- pitcher, yeah, right, right. The Twins are an interesting team because they'll they'll do just enough to tell their fans, "Hey, we're gonna spend," but they actually don't ever spend. And the problem is the Twins have won their division. I believe, I believe two of the last four years, I think for sure. Yeah, one, right. I, I know they were in the playoffs two years in a row and I think they won their division both years and they got wags in the playoffs. It always comes down to pitching with these twins teams. You're on an 18 game fucking losing streak in the playoffs. Baseball is such a random sport with random results. That's why it's a long season because over time, the good teams will pull away from the bad but it's so random that like to lose 18 baseball games in a row in the playoffs is insane. And you can attribute 90% of it to the lack of pitching. Even when they've gotten good outings from starters, relievers come in and blow the game. Closers don't close. So this, this I'm not saying I disagree that Schwarber wouldn't be a good fit because I agree he would be a good fit. But if they want to show their fans something, I really think they got to find a pitcher because – you just sign another bat and you're just asking for 2018 all over again where, yeah, we're going to score a lot of runs. That's going to work in the regular season. But when it comes down to brass tacks and the playoffs and and we need to stop the other team from scoring and, and all of a sudden our elite offense is being shut down by a, a Max Scherzer or, you know, just any, any true ace. That's when you need a pitcher to go toe to toe with someone else's ace. And the twins once again, I believe don't have one. I mean, they, did they not lose Kenta Maeda and Barrios last year? I believe they're both gone now. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm I agree. They should they should make a push for Schwarbs. He's a good bat. He can play outfield. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I just Twins fans are living in misery. <laughs> I hear it all the time since I've I've moved up here, and um, it would just be the most Twins thing, actually, in my opinion, for them to sign another big bat and just stick with the pitchers they got. Uh, I agree with everything you said. The problem is who would that, I mean, I don't think there is another big ace out there to sign and it takes both sides agreeing, right? Like Max Scherzer doesn't want to come and play in Minnesota. Yeah. So it's very difficult to pull off those signings. A guy like Schwarber is a big bat, but he's not, right. He's not the biggest free agent name. You know, he's got limited defensive abilities. So he's not, he's not like drawing a superstar here, which just doesn't happen. And I say here because I'm also in Minnesota, but right, it, it, yeah, it's just it doesn't happen. So it's really difficult. So I try to give them a little bit of leeway. I don't like it when they don't pay their own players. Although Barrios mm-hmm. made it real clear he wasn't resigning, like that he was going to go to the highest deal he could get, and that was never going to be the Twins. Right? Yeah they they didn't even want a bidding bidding war with him. They moved moved him right away. So the last guy on the list would be 
Trevor Story. Yeah, so Trevor Story, um, I'm predicting to go to the Houston Astros, mainly because they need to replace uh, Korea. But Story will likely be available at around the price that they were looking to pay uh, Korea. So it's actually doable. Um, He's a Texas native. Houston's obviously a contender, you know, whether they cheat or not. Yeah, which they do. Yeah, which they do. And, I mean, he's a good fit. So I think it it fits – to be honest, that one seems like the the biggest fit on the entire list because everything falls into place. They can pay him what he wants. Um, They've got the opening for him, and they have nobody to take um, shortstop without him. So they need a shortstop. And the thing is, too, is if you look at their regular season numbers, there's not a giant gap between them. It's really the postseason where we don't know about Trevor Story because I don't believe he's ever been there. And if he has, it's limited experience. Whereas Correa, that's that's really what he's known for. He's the modern-day Mr. October. He isn't a sensation. I mean, that dude's numbers in the playoffs are absolutely insane. So Trevor Story, I think he would step in. He would he would fit the role. You could pay them the same dollars, and, and you're going to be happy with whatever shortstop you have. It's just the question of regular season versus postseason, which you can't really say it in a negative way because we just don't know yet with story. So I agree with that one. I think that's a good fit for him. I want him, him or Correa have to be on the Yankees because we need a shortstop. There's no way the Yankees are playing another season with Glaber Torres at short. Cause if they are, I'm not watching some 60, 70 games again, like I did last year. Cause that dude is a turd sandwich. So I agree. I think it's a super solid list. If you go five for five, I mean, everyone here can say they heard it first here. People can walk around with these opinions and tell them, and if they go five for five, it makes us look smart. Now, if we go over five, hey, we're just fans spitting what we know. <laughs> we're not paid professionals anyway. <laughs> as, as long as Korea is a cub, I don't care about the rest of the list. Yeah, 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 the cubbies. Speaking of your cubbies, real quick, um, you know, they say they're not rebuilding. I, I, I got to be 100% honest. Baseball's always been my favorite sport, right? I don't know that I could name five Cubs right now. So, you are a diehard Cubs fan. Can you name five Cubs players that I probably just don't know are there? I know, wait, wait. I know Wilson Contreras, right? He's still the catcher? Yeah, he's yep. the catcher. Yep, yep, okay. Hit me with five players I might know from the Cubs. Because I honestly, after their fire sale... I just I didn't know who a lot of those plug plug in play guys were. Oh well, you know the pitchers, and um, put me on the spot now. I'm suddenly completely blanking. <laughs> but, uh, they've got they've got three or four pitchers that have been around a long time. You would definitely know they're not superstars. Um, it's not Ryu, is it? No, he pitches no. for the Toronto man. I got to be honest, I'm struggling to name more than one Cub right now. It's crazy. Uh, Bote, but you probably don't know him. Nope. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the pictures you would know, and I'm, I'm drawing a complete blank. You know, it's funny because I did this to Taylor when we did a UFC segment. I kind of asked him a question that he had no idea was coming. And sometimes it's where you get the best content. But so far I'm 0 for 2 because both of you just, we, we all kind of sat here with the blank face like, Woo, what's happening? But no, um, I really appreciate you coming on. I think we got 
a lot of cool stuff in this episode. Um, the lockout is super interesting to me to see how that plays out. I want to do another special, you know, coming up. As the talks heat up, more and more news is going to come out. I've been watching the MLB Network. They're starting to they, – they say it's trending in the right direction. But also I heard from – I can't remember. Who is the – do you know off top who's the president of the Players Association? No. Um, I can't remember. But I remember seeing – it was a tweet or something um, basically tagging a post that said – the post was essentially, this is trending in the right direction, and the player was like, I don't know who reported this, but I disagree. Something along those lines. So as of right now, it doesn't seem like they're very close to an agreement. This has already been talked about. Um, Tim Kirchin was even saying that he expects this to go into spring training. That is still, what, three, four, five months from now? So this might not end anytime soon. Everyone seems to agree that, it will be over by the season's start. We don't know for sure, but I I think I personally think it's going to go through spring training right up to the season because players are going to want to play. The owners need the players out there, and their only other option, as you were saying earlier, would be for the players to go and strike. So I don't see that happening. However, I digress. Eric, it was awesome talking with you. I appreciate you getting all the information to me and the fans. It was a fun segment, and I look forward to doing this again with you in the future. All right. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, there you have it, folks. It was a great baseball session. Baseball is my favorite sport. It's my passion. You'd think I'd be a little more informed and could name five Chicago Cubs, but when you're that irrelevant, I don't need to know your players' names. Y'all are sorry. So thanks for listening today, folks. I'm still hoping to get a UFC recap special with Taylor again. Might bring on my buddy Matt and Jack as well. All well-informed, all fans of the show, um, all fans of UFC. So I'd really like to discuss that last card because I bought the pay-per-view and, man, was it worth it. Delivered. Amanda Nunes goes down. Poirier goes down. I wasn't as excited about that, but gosh, damn. Mm. He's looking unbeatable, isn't he? Charles Oliveira is looked damn good he doesn't appear to have many more weaknesses because his chin got tested ah i can't i can't i can't get into it because i want to do a special i want to get my guys on here get my fans of the show on and i want to put out a good product for y'all thanks for listening have a kick-ass wednesday night love y'all